0: Welcome back to the show. My name is Michael Lin and this is the MongoDB podcast. Today, we've got a thrilling lineup. We've got a panel discussion with some folks that attended Game Developers Conference 2023. The team showcased a custom-built game powered by MongoDB Atlas and MongoDB Application Services. You're gonna hear firsthand experiences from the team who attended the conference and who built this amazing showcase of MongoDB's capabilities in the gaming space. We're going to deep dive into MongoDB's real-time analytics, visualizations brought to life, allowing players to see their own gaming data in action right at the conference. Plus, you're going to get a glimpse into how MongoDB's tech stack made it all possible. So buckle up, get ready to level up your gaming knowledge. Stay tuned. Nick Raboy, Dominic Fry, Sig Narvaez, welcome. It's great to have you all on the podcast. Nick You don't need any introduction, but let folks know who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, I'm on Mike's team as a developer advocate, and I'm in and out of this podcast through the years. And just wanted to bring it up for the topic of this gaming discussion that I am an Elden Lord in Elden Ring. I have defeated the Elden Beast.
0: I I was wondering. So I think you're the only Elden Lord, but we do have Dominic on the podcast. Welcome, Dominic.
2: Hey, Mike, so good to be here. My name is Dominic. I'm a developer advocate as well. I haven't played Elden Ring though. So I guess I'm out already on that part at least,
3: Okay. (laughs) but I'm looking
2: forward to the rest.
3: Okay. And Sig, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, sir? Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Thanks guys. I am an Elden Lord. (laughs) In my day, I would play a Golden Axe on a single token. So there you go. Boom.
0: Oh, fantastic. And all of this flies completely over my head. I have no idea what you're talking about. We're gonna try and get into MongoDB and gaming, MongoDB in the gaming world. Why is it, why is it valuable? Why, why is MongoDB so popular in the gaming industry? Maybe Sig answer that question and get us into this discussion about MongoDB and gaming. And then we're gonna talk about our presence at GDC and your talk, but let's take that first.
3: Well, I think, you know, I think, I think it's the ease of development and the scale. I think that's the two things that I would say. We talked about this many times before. You know, at MongoDB, you evolve your schema over time as you add more things to your players, to your characters, to your items, to the levels that the Nick plays in Elden Ring. Probably, it's just easy for developers, and you know, I think that is still true today. And it's also the scale, right? Actually, one of the things that, that we covered in the talk is growing from you know hundreds of players to potentially millions to billions, right? And still with hopefully minimal code change. So I think that's that's some, some of the reasons for it.
0: Dominic and Nick, y'all are like you're in the gaming industry. Why don't you describe for folks what your experience is in the gaming industry? And let's start with you, Dominic.
2: Regarding to the gaming industry, I've never been uh, like a professional game developer myself. I've always been a software developer for like, I don't know, 20 years by now, Uh, roughly done many different things, mobile and and backend development and all, all that kind of stuff. But apart from being a gamer, I've always been super interested in game development, and, and basically did that as, as as a hobby on the side, mostly, and and done loads of Unity stuff over the years. So that's that's what I focused on, and why I actually yeah gotten into the gaming related topics on the MongoDB side as well, uh, where it's like super exciting to just combine hobby and work, right, and see what we can do in in the gaming world. Actually,
0: I love that. Yeah, and and Nick. Your, your, uh, exploits in the gaming world are known throughout the land and as an Elden Lord, uh, tell folks, (laughs) tell folks about your experience with MongoDB and gaming.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So gaming, I have similar stories to, to Dominic, like, uh, gaming kind of got me into development gaming, uh, brought me a lot of success here at MongoDB because I was able to bring my, my hobbies into my work world, um, and it MongoDB was able to fill a lot of gaps that I had prior, uh, when it, when it comes to gaming, like before, before even working at MongoDB, I, I, I published games as a hobbyist and there were certain areas where it, it was tough. It was tough, um, to, to work with data without MongoDB and, and being able to fill that gap, it, it made a, made a huge difference.
0: Mm, mm.
1: Um, and I mean, we can go into d- more details as we progress as well.
0: Yeah. So, Sig, as a solutions architect, you work directly with with the account team and with customers. And you're out there in the world seeing what people are doing in the gaming world. And, and you come up against, I guess you would call them competitors or, or alternative solutions. What other database solutions are game developers using?
3: Yeah, sure. I think, you know, in the end, you could make any database work, you know, in a game. Some databases might be running on, on the actual device, right, or on the console. Uh, but most lives, live games or mobile games would be using a cloud, you know, a cloud device or a cloud backend. But they're all over there, right? They're the traditional SQL base, there's other document base, there's, there's you know, in memory caches being used as well. But, uh, you know, as we all know, uh, when you use, you know, those, those databases, you're probably going to end up using a little bit of each of those and many of them at the same time, right? which um today especially in this year 2023 right i think uh companies and gaming studios are looking at how are we spending dollars you know in technology for the games uh are the games successful not just from the adoptance or sorry adoption uh but also from what it costs around the game and i think that's where we should think about
0: it. yeah well i love that and and that's really a good introduction to really like Evaluating the performance and cost benefit of the tools you use in your stack, and as I understand it, you you gave a talk at GDC this year. You want to tell, tell folks a little bit about yeah. what that talk was was about?
3: Yeah, actually, and, and that, that, yeah, great point. So the the title uh, particularly was called "On the Right Size, Right Time, You Know, Cost Effective uh, Scale for Game Backends," especially because of what we we're, we're hearing right now from our customers, especially our gaming customers. Uh, as to uh, how engineers, the, the actual game developers and and, and the game backend developers who are close to technology and that choose which databases, which you know which, which frameworks, which backend stacks and all, uh, to be closer and, and more understanding as to what it means to run and cost at scale. And I think that's what the the, the talk was about. Uh, there's there's now a, a sort of a trend called FinOps. You know, we had DevOps for for a while, right? Which is all about infrastructure as code and in many other aspects. But now we're hearing FinOps more like financial or finance ops, which hmm. is actually about being cloud cloud cost effective and having engineers be a little more accountable, if that's the right word, or more knowledgeable as to how, you know, technologies cost uh, as you run them right at scale.
0: Yeah, I think everybody's attention is being focused on on expenses, I mean, it's it's a crunch out there. So yeah. it's it's great to, that you delivered that. And and GDC, I mean, talk a little bit about that as a conference because I mean, I don't think folks listening may know how massive this conference is, it's huge. What was the presence like at, at GDC?
3: Well, we were there last year, right? Uh, which was the year after the conference was out for a year in, in the pandemic. And last year was twelve thousand. This year it was twenty-eight thousand, which is just you know more than that was massive. I think the highest uh, was twenty-nineteen at twenty-nine thousand, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Uh, so it's it's definitely come back to to scale of, of before. We saw the AAA studios, the all the console names. I don't know, Nick or, or or Dominic, what were your like your big takeaways from what we saw like in the expo hall and some of the present from the, from the gaming companies.
1: Well, I mean, even before we, we go there, I mean, I wanted to mention the the, the demographic that was at uh, mm. GDC this year because I think it was a big difference from the previous year. So I don't know if this may be all opinion-based. So I don't know if, if you experienced the same, but last year we had a lot of designers at GDC. Mm-hmm. They're still part of the game development crew, but they were the artists and the audio makers and, and people like that. But this year I, I met up with a lot of like back-end developers, game developers, people who write code. Um, so it, the audience shifted, I think, big time this year. I don't know if, if it was just me or did you guys see that as well?
2: I had a very similar experience to that. Yeah, more or less everyone I talked to seems to be um, a developer, as you said, as a either a back-end developer or a game developer more on the front-end side. But it, it seemed like all of a sudden, uh, all uh, and I'm one of them, all of us techies um, or like very development focused people came came out of their hiding again and, and, and went to Game Developers Conference. And um, it, was, it was obviously, it was kind of nice to, to see that as well because I was able to talk their language, which is definitely different when I'm talking to a designer or a product manager or other roles where I might struggle a bit, but all of a sudden I couldn't nerd out. Completely. So that was amazing.
0: What was our booth like and what was the primary activity going on at the booth?
2: As Sig mentioned earlier, we've been to GDC last year and we had a booth last year. And we already last year had a demo where we presented um, MongoDB and in that case also um, Atlas App Services or Realm, how it used to be called for those who, who might have been there and, and heard about it. And this year we wanted to make it even more interactive so not just show a demo that shows what you can actually do with atlas and all these features but actually experience and that's what we did this year and yeah. what I, what i did is is build a, a little game where you could just play in a in a typical uh top down bird's eye shooter game uh drive around as a as a player or walk around it was very abstract so you could argue if it's driving or walking but you could you could play the game and you would generate data playing the game by shooting destroying items and uh, fighting against um or more fleeing from NPCs I guess and all those all that information that was generated while playing the game was fed back into Atlas and what you could then do and that's the what I think is the the, the super interesting part, and in that you could then step to the next screen that we set up, which was right next to that game setup, and actually look at your data and look at our our charts, which is one of the many features of of Atlas. And and charts is the tool that makes you able to actually visualize the data that is in your database and figure out, okay, what just happened in that game session that I played. We restricted it to about sixty seconds. Um, But there's still a lot going on, the boxes that you were shooting, the amount of bullets you were shooting, uh, the amounts of points you've scored. We've also put down a leaderboard, which is one of the first things you might think about. um, Wait, 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 hold up. How how are
0: points points accumulated?
2: So the way we accumulated points in in the game is there are um as a player you, you walk around and you shoot your bullets and there's three types of boxes you can shoot okay. small ones medium ones large ones and whenever you destroy one of those boxes you get points for it so the game itself was rather simple um just to visualize something and have something to play with was still fun but it was it was not a game that we've worked on for years obviously right um but that's those those boxes were basically the way you would accumulate uh points you could also collect upgrades during the gameplay to make your bullets make more damage or your player move faster things like that but the the points you generated in those 60 seconds 60 seconds is what goes into the leaderboard in the end and where you can actually compare yourself with others and we even gave out prizes in prices in the end so you could actually win the joystick you were playing with which was super cool because it made it super interesting not just from a data perspective and actually learning about atlas but also, I mean, we're all gamers and we're all competitive, right? So we everyone just loved the idea of playing the game, learning something about Atlas, but then also getting a prize for for getting um getting the most points. And we even had people coming back up to, I think the one person came back nine times yes. to get the highest score. Um and I just absolutely love that passion. It was so amazing to see that people are just just gamers, we're all just gamers and we enjoy games and we can even enjoy the simple games uh, and the amazing data that we could visualize yeah. with it. It yeah. was absolutely amazing to see. It was so before much, yeah, you it move was, on,
0: before you move on to the stack, I, I wanna ask you about the prize. So what were we giving away?
2: So th- there's multiple different things. On a, on a daily basis, we, we uh, uh, raffled, I think it was t-shirts and a couple other swag items. And uh, the big prize was um, in that case, an arcade joystick or an arcade, arcade uh, gaming, arcade gaming stations maybe said a bit too much, like let's call it an arcade joystick um, that we bought specifically for the game because that just old school arcade experience, it's just it's just fun for all of us, at least for those who are old enough, I guess. Um, but uh, th- there are, are arcade stores out there, so I- I'm sure when everyone knows what I'm talking about. And we wanted to recreate that experience. So one of the most important parts of that experience is obviously the controls you use to interact with the game. So we made sure we had that typical feeling that you would get playing on one of those big arcade machines by having the controls. To, um, to use as an input in the game. But then at some point we figured, oh, it might actually be a cool idea to just give them away. So that's what we did at, at the end of the week on Friday for the top scorer who uh, definitely deserved, deserved it for coming back nine times and absolutely smashing that top score. You know, um, what's amazing is that person, um, I, I cheated at the game. I,
1: I enabled the secret turbo mode on the controller <laughs> to get the high score. And he still managed to come back and beat me without cheating
2: <laughs> not yeah. just that and yeah. i created the game i know the map by heart it's not a random map it's actually even the same map um so uh which i just like i just ended up doing it that way but i, I know the map like in every single power up and where everything is he still beat me so yeah. he just he just beat all of us that was just that seeing that passion was just one of the ma- most amazing things of, of my week at gdc i just loved it It's it, it I, was just really nice to see that someone enjoyed something that we did um, that much, it was just awesome.
3: So, so one of the things that, that I think kept uh, this particular player, by the way, his his nickname is Woful. So I remember that clearly. And uh, uh, we were so as as people were playing the game, we would go in and show live the actual uh, data being generated in Atlas, the actual JSON documents. But also the we would hack the 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 dashboard, the, the Atlas charts dashboard to filter only by that player and showed like the last the last run. And you could so you could literally see as you were playing around, you could see the heat map, you could see the sort of the the maze that you create as you moved around. And I think that made it so interactive to know, hey, this is what's going on in the back end as I'm playing it live, and just people, people kept coming back. You know, it's just, Speaking just of the data is, uh, is intriguing, right? Speaking Engaging. of the
1: back end, as far as the tech the tech stack goes for, for this game, I mean we use we use quite a bit of stuff. Um, so I mean uh, Dominic made a really awesome game in Unity. Uh, so this game, what was this game inspired by, Dominic?
2: I guess the one game that it was inspired by most is a browser game called Deep D I E P, um, which is is one of many games that have a very similar mechanic but that's that's one that I played a lot recently so I thought that kind of game could be could be fun to play uh, at the booth yeah it fit perfectly so that so that game was actually built in unity um dominic's
1: version of it not not the the official one that's browser based um and then uh we had our back end was actually hosted on MongoDB app services so it it used re, um functions so uh, https endpoint functions um, so basically what you do is in in mongodb atlas uh you would you would create a new https endpoint and that would be associated to a uh, serverless function it's javascript code um through that JavaScript code, you interact with the database, and the game can communicate with it through HTTPS requests. Um, so, um, in that scenario, um, we did HTTPS uh, requests to get player information, uh, as well as submit information about
2: the player to the database.
3: Mm.
1: Um, right, Dominic?
2: Yeah that that that's exactly what it is. And I think one of the things that I definitely like to mention there um, is. The, the amount of code you have to write going that route, I mean, there's different ways you can actually interact with, with Atlas, the HTTPS endpoints only being one of them. But even though we chose that, and as Nick already uh, mentioned, there were um, functions that had to be implemented that, that Nick did. And the amount of code that had to be written for that is is actually quite minimal. So it's actually super easy to implement and add that, that feature to your game and make it easy to actually bring that data into um, bring your data from the game into Atlas and what's even more impressive and what those people were really impressed by that I talked to at the booth is the functions are the only code you have to write because they make sure that the data ends up in your back end and the visualization that we've done with charts work completely without any code it's a completely visual thing and multiple people that i've talked to were really surprised that it, it's just all there you, it's point and click you just define i want a heat map i want a, a leaderboard i just want a couple of numbers that i'm interested in bullets fired, damage done stuff like that none of that really needs any code code at all you can get more complex depending on what you want you can write something that we call aggregation pipelines where you can um, work a bit with your data but most of the stuff that you need for your game is is so simple that it's already not the, the data is not simple but the the thing that we the, the things that you need are uh, easily solvable with charts without writing any code and it's life updated so so those two things together people were regularly impressed by like, what, what do you mean? The data is coming right from the game next to this, like the, the ones yeah. next to us and it's updated live. So that's not just like from some old game that got analyzed in a data warehouse or whatever, that that's just actually life. And um, yeah, it was just really, really cool to see that. It's actually a not just a great feature, but actually a great feature that people really need and use or want to use in their games. And uh, I think we should highlight how easy it yeah.
3: works. We should highlight also that that the um, network was perhaps not uh, not the fastest at the conference, <laughs> and also we were running, I think, either on the M zero or M two M five, one of the lower you know, smaller. It was ones. an M zero. It was an M zero, yeah. right? So M0, even yeah. at that scale, you know, with, with uh, poor poor Wi Fi, it was performing excellent. So.
0: so so before I turn it over to Nick, Nick's got a question. So when when we say it's an M zero, it's an M M five, we're talking about the MongoDB Atlas. Cluster size M zero is the is the free tier. If you're new to MongoDB, MongoDB Atlas, you can jump into cloud.mongodb.com, check out your uh, your database in the cloud offerings. M zero is completely free, no credit card required. And while I'm mentioning links, it's probably a good time to to mention uh, MongoDB in the gaming industry. If you're curious, you want to learn more, you want to take your knowledge to the next level. There's a link in the show notes. It's slash gaming It's going to bring you to the MongoDB gaming use case. Uh, so enough of the commercials. Nick, over to you.
1: Yeah. So thanks for thanks for highlighting the whole M zero thing because I think that was a pretty amazing thing. People were thinking, "Hey, how much did this cost to make all this at the event?" And we could just tell them, "Hey, this is all done on the free tier. Um, you didn't you didn't have to pay for anything." Um, but to put some more into perspective, I just wanted to add to what Dominic was saying about the whole charts thing and the, the serverless functions thing. So our whole back end was like 10
0: lines of code for this game. Um, it really was not a lot of code um, to get this done. Yeah, so we'll update the show notes when that's available. In the meantime, uh, keep keep an eye on the show notes. mdb.link slash gaming is going to bring you to, uh, to the use case page. Dominic, what were you going to say?
2: Oh, I just wanted to throw in two two things and one one is that uh, is is one thing that Nick already mentioned. So as soon as you check out that game um, and that's the other thing is by the time the podcast episode is released, it should already be completely public. I just have to remove a couple of things. But uh, for those who will be checking out the repository or for those who might be listening in and have been at the booth and played the game. I just wanted to emphasize that the, the, the M0 we talked about, our free tier, the whole game, everything that you saw or will see when you check out the repository was built on the free tier. So building that game, cost I mean, it obviously cost me some time to write the code, but it didn't cost any money to run that. And that, that, that's another like um, very important thing that I'd like to mention because it's easy to get started. It's easy to just check out, how does Atlas work? What is the stuff that I can do? What can I do with my game? And then it scales with you, sure, um, and it does so seeming, uh, seemingly. But it, it the whole demo that you saw at the booth is, from our side, completely free.
0: So developers, if you're listening, this is a, a great opportunity to get in, involved in the world of gaming, leveraging a great stack. Unity, There's you can get in, involved for free. There's obviously some paid routes you can take with Unity. And then connecting that up with with MongoDB. I love the stack because it's relatively simple, but I, I also love the approach that you took to the data layer. Now you're not using the Unity data driver. There's no driver involved. You're actually just leveraging HTTPS endpoints, and that's it's kind of a different approach. Um, some folks are used to pulling down a driver, like for example, if you're writing Node.js code or Python code. There's a driver layer that you're going to need to install and leverage in your in your code. You're going to need to configure a a connection string that gets you access to the database. Uh, but this is a little different. So you're in Unity. Uh, there are there are actions that take place, and as a result of those actions, you're hitting an API endpoint. You want to explain a little bit more about that, either Dominic or whoever whoever could take that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is just one of many possible ways to get the job done. So before I go with the story behind what we did, I want to also highlight that there's the opportunity to use the Unity SDK uh, that's available for MongoDB. If you want to use an object oriented database as part of uh, your Unity kind of data storing uh, solution. Uh, but we chose just for the simplicity and speed of, of the demo to, to go with the HTTP route. So in Unity, uh, basically what you do is you create a what's called a Unity web request. And this is just Unity's version of an HTTP request like fetch in JavaScript or, or whatever language you're working with. And uh, so, like I said earlier, uh, to get the players in the game. Um, so what happens is prior to playing the game, they take a... Um, uh, they take a sign-up form where they create a player, um, a player account for themselves. And Sid can talk on more of this in a, in a second because he's more, he's closer to this scenario than I am. But before I send it off to him, I want to say that the the Unity web request uh, gets that information, pulls it in uh, to the game, um, and just displays information on the screen. And then as you're playing the game, uh, these Unity web requests are fired off periodically uh, to. To send uh, kind of a snapshot to to MongoDB, uh, that's more or less the high level of things. Sig, uh, I, I know that you're more grounded on this whole the whole story being your yeah, role yeah. at
3: MongoDB. So I think maybe one key difference there by using the Unity SDK and the Realm Mobile Database versus just calling you know calling endpoints directly is, is state and also uh, offline access, right? So if, your game, if you want your game to have offline access, for example, I travel a lot. I, I would love some of the games that I play to be available offline. You have to be online always. Uh, that would be a great solution, right? Our Unity SDK with, with the RAM mobile database, which automatically uh, syncs the moment uh, there's connectivity back to Atlas, right? To your Atlas cluster. And we call that Atlas Device Sync or, or ADS. And that's also built in. There's also a free tier uh, that's included. And it's super easy to get started. Actually, as Dampenik was mentioning, uh, from last year, the demo we built for last year was using uh, the Unity SDK. And, and Nick definitely uh, developed. Actually, you developed the whole part of that of That part of the demo. I did. I, I developed the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's actually out there in our developer hub.
1: But is, going, yeah. going back, yeah, yeah, it's
3: still out there. Um, but going back to the to the development side, right? So once once you get your data over to the back end, whether it's through HTTPS, through a GraphQL, or even through Atlas Device Sync, that's when you got to think about you know the the uh, the data that you're going to store, right? For for your let's say let's say your your uh, your player profiles, for example. And uh, and yes, you can get started for free, but obviously we all want games to eventually you know drive some revenue. You're probably going to end up in the M2s, M5s, M30s, M40s, etc. tiers in Atlas. And those are the Atlas tiers, right? Mike, more CPU, more, more RAM, more disk, etc., cetera. Um, which, which obviously costs. But you know, one of the things that, that we addressed in the in the session, in the talk at GDC, which will be, we will schedule a webinar follow-up uh, some point uh, soon, is you know, simple things like uh sometimes, you know, thinking about network compression, thinking about uh, the, the built-in compression that, that mongodb has uh, thinking about does it make sense to duplicate data here or use a, a different design pattern for as a developer that can help um, you know implement best practices really early on so when your game really grows as, as we all want our games to be right you don't end up with with some costs that, that could be cost prohibitive um, and and that's some of the things we talk about for example how you scale from, a few hundreds to to millions or billions of players, and what does it actually mean in terms of data size? So, in one of the slides, I think I had, hey, if your game has two hundred million players, let's say, it means X amount of gigabytes in data storage, but really the cost could be more in like the compression, like the actual network traffic that's going back and forth, right? Um, and uh, so, it's, you know, these are some things that we talk about as we as we uh, work with gaming companies in their journey, you know, as, as, as they've grown with us right over mm-hmm. time. Well, I, I want to call that out
0: because it's, I think it's important. There's a lot of folks that are listening that are like thinking about starting their career in gaming perhaps. And that I want to address those folks. It's easy to get started, but, but it's also, it's also really important for folks that are developing games today that to know that MongoDB can help in that massive scale. Right. We've got Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the the upper end of and you don't have to mention customer names, but we've got game players. You know, we've got game game companies that have players
3: in the in the billions of users. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Definitely in the millions to billions of users. Uh, for example, just to give you an idea, I'm actually looking at some of the slides that I built here without mentioning any names. Like, you, let's say you know, if you have a 20 kilobyte, you know, player profile document, if you have a 10 million player base, we actually have games on Mongo that run with 10 to 100 or more. You're talking 200 gigabytes, right? Or perhaps maybe 20 terabytes. We actually do have some gaming companies running in the terabyte scale. Uh, you know, but obviously they are also generating, you know a good amount of revenue, right? They have a very active and very stable and growing player base. Um, but again, I think that the things that you, th- you think about is is what does the game cost to run, right? And, and what will be required as you scale out, perhaps from growing in, do- doing a soft launch, let's say in uh, some companies do a soft launch, for example, in, in Canada or, or in uh, Australia, Sydney, New Zealand, etc. But over time, they grow to the Americas, the LATAMs, the APEX, the EMEAS, and so on. And, and what are things that they can do to, to know that they will be able to grow without taking the game down, without uh, refactoring uh, you know, a considerable amount of code and so on, right?
0: Yeah, these are the things um, that, that folks need to think about.
3: For example, sure. um, you know, one, one of the features that I think is, is, has been around actually in MongoDB for, for a good amount of, of, of time is sharding and, and what we call zone sharding or, or in Atlas are called global clusters. Which can let me essentially have a a set of shards, you know, that are tied to a specific region. So maybe I launch my game only from the East Coast in, in the Americas, serving my my worldwide player base. Even though, you know, latency might not be the best for other folks in other the world. But as that region, you know, grows with the amount of players, I can add more more. You know, the called zones or shards, and and my data will automatically be. Uh, be migrated or balanced out you know as into all these geographies and uh, without again you know without any single downtime you know, for, for the back end mm-hmm. and so these are things that I think folks sort of fear you know as they, as they as they grow their game and um, and it's important to know that that things like that are just built in and and actually being used by gaming companies and other kinds of you know companies that scale with mongodb right yeah.
0: So speaking of uh, you know scaling up, that's a good problem to have, right? We want to be able to <laughs> scale up without without downtime. We offer automatic scalability in MongoDB Atlas. That's key. Um, but how are people paying for this? What are, what
3: are the game revenue models that people are are leveraging today? Perfect, perfect. Um, I think you know th- there's obviously the classic uh, console gaming, which you know you you, you buy your your game once. Uh, and then you also they also offer uh, content right um that comes up every you know three months six months one year etc uh more popular of course is more the, the free to play gaming which actually is similar to open source right try the database for free try the software for free and if you uh, eventually need the 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 some of the advanced features the scale then you start paying for it similar in gaming you have free to play so you can play for free, and eventually you buy things. You buy a you know package and so on, right? Uh, we're also hearing now uh, free, uh, sorry, play to earn and and play and earn. Uh, so you know in the in and actually last year I think we we saw a lot more presence at GDC uh, from newcomers in the crypto NFT you know space for gaming. This year, we saw the return of the AAA studios and, and, and the console names, right? Um, but in the in the um, earn to play, right, uh, you now actually are are playing to earn crypto, NFT tokens, etc. Whereas in free to play, uh, the difference is that eventually you might want to abandon the game, but you felt that you invested so much, right, in uh, in effort, time, and actual dollars. Burst. And, and and if you abandon the game, you, you essentially walk out with with nothing as a or or maybe not much other than the obviously the joy, right? But in in play to earn, you are actually earning a potential potential value, right? Mm-hmm. Monetary. Mm-hmm. Sig, yeah. are
1: you telling me that you only buy a, a console game one time? Because I <laughs> swear I've I've purchased Stardew Valley like eight times on different yeah. consoles. You're <laughs>
3: right. Actually, you're right. Um, Metroid uh, Prime, right? It just came out again. <laughs> yeah. That would be the third time I'm going to buy it.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's what I figured. Well, They're doing something right. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, this has been a great discussion. And uh, I really, I, I appreciate the work that you put in for, for GDC. And I think it's valuable beyond what folks experienced at the booth. This is a, a great starting point for folks to understand how to use MongoDB in conjunction with Unity. And uh, I look forward to, to sharing links to the GitHub repository uh, so all the folks can see the great work that you did to, to create that, that gaming example. Hey, what else, what else do we want to share with folks before we begin to wrap up the episode?
2: Yeah, hey, definitely. Want definitely want to add to, to what you just said, Mike. We'll also build um on top of that game we, we thought about a couple of challenges um, around just actually doing game development with others together but I think that the, the one maybe even more interesting part is to watch out for workshops that will build on top of that to teach you and uh, enable you even easier to um add those uh those parts that you need into your game and and Figure out how to do the things that we've done that you might not be too familiar with, which are on the data on the Atlas side, um, and to learn how easy it actually is to integrate Atlas into your game. So that's certainly one of the next steps that we that we will go into and that we'll distribute um, on on those ways as well. Um, and as I said, we've we've got a little of a, a kind of an idea of a, of a. Of a game development challenge planned. Um, but I can't say too much yet, mainly because we're actually still in the middle of the planning. So whatever I say might be wrong, but watch <laughs> out for that, too. I love that.
1: Speaking of developer education, um, if you want to learn beyond workshops, we have quite a few tutorials on our Developer Center and YouTube channel. Um, so probably the easiest way to kind of get a hold of that stuff is if you go to developer.mongodb.com, um, you can find tutorials there, and the YouTube videos are often linked in those tutorials or directly on the um, developer center. I don't, I don't have the direct link to the YouTube offhand, Mike. Maybe you do.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to mention it, but I'm going to point people to the link that we spoke about earlier and check the show notes. There's going to be one link that's going to have yeah. uh, a, a host of links under that. So M D B slash gaming. It's going to bring you to uh to a landing page with a bunch of details all of the things that we talked about will be featured there sig anything else you want to share before we wrap up
3: i just you know look forward to next year i think uh next year dominic nick and everybody else in the debril team and, and some of the folks also from from our side from Social architecture we want to come back you know more more ferocious right more more demos more games more scale it's just you know i'd love to see more more features being applied right more search more data lake more uh actually seeing maybe seeing a real global cluster with with billions of players and actually showing that at scale right maybe the the shooter demo is running one of those i mean we want to come back next year uh just just you know for lack of a better word bigger and better i love it roadmap yeah. so i'm gonna yes. i'm gonna try and twist y'all
0: twist your arms Get you to uh, to appear with me on the MongoDB podcast live. Maybe we can do a run through of the code, Dominic and Nick. Maybe we, we do a run through of the code and uh, and show people how it's put together on a live stream. Does that sound like a, a plan?
2: Sounds good to me. You might you might be surprised or not not know of that, but um, my manager told me this morning that that's on the plan for me already. So I'm definitely <laughs> sure we'll do that. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> Outstanding. We've got some some great stuff in the works. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. It's been a great discussion. Remember, visit mdb.link slash gaming. Uh, like and subscribe, do all the things. Thanks, everybody. It's been a great discussion. Awesome. Thanks, thanks guys. Thanks so much. are on. Thanks to Nick, to Sig, and to Dominic for joining me today. And thanks to you, the listeners. If you want to learn more about MongoDB in the gaming industry, visit mdb.link slash gaming. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.